During spring break of my senior year of high school, I actually went to New York City and I learned about the homeless uh, population throughout uh, the U.S. and specifically in New York. And we served the homeless, we cared for the homeless, we loved on the homeless people. But during that time also, uh, they actually had an opportunity for us to do some of the tourist stuff. So we went to the Statue of Liberty, we went to Times Square, we actually went to the Empire State Building. But I think the highlight for me of the place that we toured the most was this particular building right here. Does anyone know what this is? Oh, okay, we're real wise here today. All right, I heard one down here. Good job, Mike. Uh, Yeah, it's the headquarters of the United Nations. And it was such an amazing building. I remember we went in that iconic room where all of the different negotiations took place. And there you could see all of the different names of the different uh, nations that represented the United Nations. And we were very, very fortunate because the uh, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations was there and came in and spoke to us. And when this guy walked into the room, I just started thinking, like, what does he know? I mean, think about all the things that he knows about other areas in the U.S. and and what is that like? And this was a person of power. And when he was standing there, I started thinking to myself as a 12th grader in high school, getting ready to graduate, what if I became a U.S. ambassador one time? Like, what would that look like? So here's kind of a definition for an ambassador for us to look at today. And this is your first fill-in. And this is it. Uh, Ambassador is a high-ranking dignitary who is sent out to represent their country in a foreign land. In other words, it's not someone who's actually voted on or elected. They're actually appointed or they're commissioned or chosen by the president or the king. And this person then is sent out on behalf of the president and to represent the country and the country's beliefs and their values and they're to be the mouthpiece for the king or the president that they represent. You know, I was thinking this week that if I could be an ambassador to uh, any other country, if I was the U.S. ambassador, which country would I pick? And I chose this one. Uh, Can anyone tell me, by looking at that picture, where this country is located? Take a guess. New Zealand! It's New Zealand. I read up on New Zealand, and I thought to myself, if I could pick any other country because of the people and the climate and the environment, it's the only place where you can ski in one day, snow ski, and go down and swim in the ocean on the same day. It's like an amazing environment. I was like, that's what I would choose. And so what would I need to be the U.S. ambassador to New Zealand? Well, first of all, I would need my little card that would show me that, you know, I was the ambassador. And so here's my little card that I have, that I'm a U.S. citizen. And because of that citizenship, the president had called me to go to New Zealand and I would have to move there. And I would move to Wellington, New Zealand, which is the capital of New Zealand. And if my wife and kids were nice, only if they were nice, could they come? Otherwise, they have to stay here with all of you, okay? But I'm going to New Zealand, baby, and they might be able to come. Maybe not. We'll wait and see. 
And my job would be just three things. First of all, I would represent the president and the United States and our values and our beliefs. Secondly, I would actually build relationships with all the people of New Zealand, getting to know them, meeting them, knowing their stories, talking about the relationships that they have. And then finally, if there was any tension, if there was any conflict within the countries between the U.S. and New Zealand, it would be my job to actually kind of work towards some type of reconciliation. Now, as I did my research on this whole idea of U.S. ambassadors, I found who was the best U.S. ambassador ever in the history of the U.S. And this is the guy right here. And everybody knows who this is, right? Who is this? Boy, we need some history up in this place, okay? Uh, Benjamin Franklin, okay? And uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, was an amazing ambassador, And what we don't always realize is that scholars actually believe that if he wouldn't have been the U.S. ambassador, we would have never won the Revolutionary War. If he wouldn't have gone to France to be the ambassador, it would have never happened. You see, during this time, there were two superpowers, England and France, and they did not like each other at all. And there were two monarchies that were set up between the two of them, but each one of them had different governments. And they basically uh, were at each other constantly. Now, our story as the United States is we left Britain and we were trying to start our own reality. This United States is an experiment that was decided to try something different. And we wanted to have our own independence. And we knew the only way that this would ever be sustainable for the long time is if France was on our side. So the leaders of the U.S. got together and they said, hey, we've got to do some thinking about who are we going to send to France to somehow win them to be on our side. And Benjamin Franklin stood up and said, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go and do that. And so he leaves for France. Now, old Ben, the problem was he was the worst dressed politician there was. Um, I don't have pictures on it, but he was bad. And he was going into France where this was the fashion capital of the world. And they weren't sure how it was going to go. And eventually he learned the French language. He learned the French art of persuasion. And he begins to start speaking to all of the people. And the French people, they loved Benjamin Franklin. They loved his humble dress, actually. They enjoyed his personality. They loved his intellect. They loved the questions that he would ask again and again. And in their own kind of language, what Benjamin Franklin did, he persuaded them in French to actually help finance our war against Britain And we were able to defeat them. And scholars, again, believe that if it wasn't for Benjamin Franklin, we would have never won the Revolutionary War. And to this day, Benjamin Franklin is beloved if you ever go to France. And if you talk to people uh, in France, they'll tell you that, you know what, we love Benjamin Franklin. He was our favorite U.S. president. 
Now, what's wrong with that? He was never a president. But I think it's so cool that he's revered that much because he was an ambassador who really cared for the people of France and his own country and worked together. Now, there are two types of ambassadors. There's a good ambassador and there's what? Bad. Bad. And so we want to look at those real quick. Here's some qualities of a good ambassador. First of all, they're loyal. They are loyal to their country. They are loyal to the president. Secondly, they are passionate people. They believe to their bones that they are actually making a difference. And so they love doing their job. Thirdly, they're humble. They walk into every situation, every cultural experiment, being able to just kind of be a good listener and to be able to listen to the needs of the other people rather than expressing their own opinion. Fourthly, they are wise people. A good ambassador is wise and smart and intelligent, and they are the mouthpiece of the president. And then lastly, uh, they are a reconciler. Their whole job is to help the two countries get along. And when there's tension, when there's an argument, when there's a challenge, that they would be able to bring about reconciliation. Now, over the course of our history, we've had good ones like Ben, but the reality is we've had really bad ambassadors too. I mean, some real doozies, and I'm going to talk to you about one of them here in just a second. But there were some really, really bad ambassadors. So what are some characteristics of them? Well, first of all, they're hypocritical. They wear a different mask every group of people that they meet with. And they're never consistent. They put on one mask to talk maybe to the president of the country, but they put another one on to talk to another person. They have multiple kind of faces in the midst of this. That's a bad ambassador. The second thing is, is that they're very indifferent. They, a bad ambassador can just be quite indifferent altogether. I was researching this a little bit, and uh, the Egyptian ambassador a few years ago to the United States was so indifferent that he didn't care anything about our laws that he and some of his staff racked up, listen to this, $1.9 million in parking tickets. Think about that. $1.9 million in parking tickets. You think yours are bad. I mean, look at that. Amazing, they just didn't care. Another kind of area of a bad ambassador is someone who's quite pretentious. And they have this superiority complex that they are better than everyone else. That where they're from is better than the people that they're trying to connect with. And they look down at people. Now, I'm going to put a picture up. Does anybody know who this guy is? Anybody? I didn't either until I did my research. This is Turner B. Shelton, considered the worst U.S. ambassador ever. He was a U.S. ambassador in the 1970s to Nicaragua. And he had the fifth largest house in the entire country. Only the president and a few other dignitaries had a bigger house than this guy in one of the poorest countries of the world. And in 1972, there was this huge earthquake that took place. And when it did, immediately 10,000 Nicaraguans died immediately. And then 
15,000 others were hurt so badly that they were just trying to find places that were big enough to care for the people. So they go to this guy and they ask him, they knock on his door, they say, hey, can we make your complex, your house, a field hospital field hospital for all of these different people who are going to die if they don't get some help? And do you know what he told them? Turner B. Shelton, you know what he said? No! He said, get off my property, and he closed the door. Now, let me ask you, after that, how many Nicaraguans do you think like the U.S. ambassador? None. And they actually didn't like us as a country, and there were conflicts that happened after that because of that particular situation. Now, the fourth thing that bad ambassadors do, they're reckless with their words. They do whatever they want, whenever they want. They just kind of shoot from the hip. They forget that they represent a president or a king. And then finally, bad ambassadors, they're addicted to power. They want power so badly that they oppress the people around them. They oppress other folks. Now, at this point, if you're still on the stream, you're wondering, is this a church that we're at today? Because nice little history lesson, Chris, and some of you are here today, you're like, I came for this, I hated U.S. history. I flunked U.S. history in high school, and I'm not so glad that I'm here. So what does this have to do with church, Chris? Well, this is what it has to do with. There was a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul. He wrote close to half of the New Testament, considered one of Jesus' closest followers. And one day, he starts a church in Corinth, in present-day Greece. It's a coastal kind of city. And when he starts this church, Corinth was kind of like present-day Las Vegas. And we know, whatever happens in Vegas, what? Wow, some of you have been there before, haven't you? What have you done there? I don't know. But anyways, uh, Corinth was a very perverse place. And there was all kinds of idolatry. They were worshiping different gods. Tons of sexual acts that would make you leave church of what they were doing. It was so horrible. There was drunkenness and all kinds of debauchery. That just sounds bad, doesn't it? Just like bad, bad, bad stuff going all the time. And Paul starts this church and he says, hey, it's going to be different for you. And then he leaves, but then he hears word that they've all started going back to that kind of crazy, out of line, Las Vegas, Corinth lifestyle of perversion. And so he writes a letter to them and he says, hey, you guys are different. And this is how you're different. Let me tell you who you are. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells the people, you are a new creation. The old's gone. That old life that you were living is no longer here. The old is gone. The new has come. You have a new label that's placed upon you. And because of Christ, you are a different person. And here is the reason why you're different. And in verse 18, Paul says this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us every single one of us, everyone in the balcony, everyone down here on the main floor, everyone on the stream, every one of us who is a follower of Jesus, Jesus gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he was committed to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, and what's the next two words? What is it? Christ ambassadors. You might want to circle that. That's who you are. If you are in Christ, you are Christ ambassador. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, what Paul is telling this church is that now that you have actually been made right with God, that you have a role to play. You have a part to play. And he says, your role, your part to play is that of an ambassador. You are an ambassador to Christ. And today we're actually going to teach a class at noon. So for all of you that are here, uh, go get your breakfast and come back. And you get free lunch and free childcare, and you can come and learn. It's only going to be an hour from 12 to 1. And I'm going to be there because I want to get better. I want to know what it's like to get better at being Christ's ambassador to the people around me. And you'll be able to share your faith in your own style and with your personality. So I can't think of anything that we'd be better that you could do from noon to one than to do that. Then you can watch football after that, okay? But from noon to one, come back and be a part of this class because we can learn how to be an ambassador. Now, this is what Paul's theology looks like in this whole area. He says, first of all, you are a new creation. You are brand new. You're a different kind of person. And then he tells uh, the church at Philippi, he says this, you are a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship lies in heaven. So Paul begins at the very beginning of his theology saying, first of all, I want you to think about your citizenship. He wants you to know that your role as Christ's ambassador is to realize that you are a citizen of heaven. We are a citizen of heaven. That's your role. Your role is that of a citizen of heaven. Now, the problem is, is that many of us find our identity in other things. For some of us, we find our identity as a U.S. citizen, which isn't a bad thing, but that's not our ultimate identity. It's not as a U.S. citizen. Our identity is not in who we vote for. Our identity is not in where we work or what we do. Our identity is not in how much money we make. Paul says that your identity ultimately is in the fact that you are a citizen of heaven. If you've come to Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. The old is gone. The new is here. And because of that, now you have a reason. You have a reason why you're in Muncie. You have a reason why you're in the job you're in. You have a reason why you're in the neighborhood you're in. If you're a student, you have a reason why the school that you're in. And the reason that you're at where you're at is because you are an ambassador to Christ on earth. You're a citizen in heaven That's your role, but your role is as an ambassador here in Christ. And this is the truth, folks. You represent a king. Every day that you wake up and you have breath, you represent a king wherever you go. Well, we talked about the role of Christ, and now I want to talk about what is your responsibility. 
You are a citizen of heaven. You're an ambassador here on earth for Christ. What is your responsibility? First of all, you represent Christ. Every single place you go, everything that you say, you represent Christ. Don't take a day off. Don't say, oh, I'm not going to do that today. No, you represent a king. Don't put something out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram that represents you. You represent your king in every word that you say. I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday at the block party, which was awesome. And uh, we had such a fun time, really showed love to our community. And he was telling me that every single day, check this out, for the last thousand days, the last thousand days, he has put one scripture verse on his uh, Facebook account. A thousand days, never missed a day. And uh, Frank is a great guy. And I was like, dude, you are representing Christ. You are being such a great ambassador by doing that. So first of all, we represent Christ. The second thing that we do is that we care for what God cares for. And what God cares for more than anything else is people. And why? Because people matter to God. People matter to God more than anything else in the world. And so he wants us to build relationships with the people that are around us. People who don't know him. People who question him. People who doubt him. People who maybe want nothing to do with him. We want to build relationships with those people as well as any other person that knows Christ. We want to build relationships with people. That is our responsibility. Why? Because people matter to God. And if people matter to God, folks, they better matter to you. Now, next month, we're starting a brand new series called Hot Mess. Hot Mess Express, maybe. And the reality is, is that all of us in this auditorium, everyone on the stream, we have hot messes. But you know who has huge hot messes, too? Coworkers, neighbors, friends, and family. And we have the opportunity to invite them to something that is going to help them to actually go, oh man, my life does get a hot mess and how do I get through that? Through relationships, through struggles, what does that look like? And we can do that through this series. And I'm challenging you to start thinking of who are you going to invite? You're going to put your yard sign in your yard, but who is it that you can give some time up to October 22nd that you could invite to come to the Hot Mess series? And everybody can do this. So we represent Christ. We build relationships with people. And the last kind of way that you choose to be a U.S. or an ambassador to Christ, your responsibility is this, to share your story of reconciliation. Every single one of you, at some point, if you're a Christian, there was a moment where you came to Christ and you have a story of how God reconciled you to him. If you're in high school, middle school, 20-somethings, if you're a working person, if you're close to retirement, if you are in retirement, the truth is you have a story of how God reconciled you and for you to share it. God wants you to show up every day of your life representing him as Christ's ambassador and to share that. Everyone 
who is a follower of Christ, every single one of you, everyone in the balcony, everyone on the stream, if you are in Christ, he is counting on you to represent him well, to build relationships with people, and to bring about reconciliation to others. And so the big question that I have for you today is this. What kind of ambassador are you? What kind of ambassador are you? You know, one of the things that I've realized in my own life is that it's hard to represent Jesus 24-7. It's really, really hard to represent him 24-7. Sometimes I see something on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and I just want to rush in real quick and give my own response, and sometimes I'll even start it, and then all of a sudden I'm just like, ah. I got to remember, I don't speak my mind. I speak the mind of Christ. And I don't do it well all the time. Sometimes I really mess it up. But I want to be the type of person who speaks on behalf of the king rather than speaking on my own situation. Have you ever had this experience before where you walk into a a restaurant or a, a, a Walmart or a gas station and you want to hide? Like you have to get something or do something, but you don't want anyone to see you. And then you see that one person and you're like, oh, I want to walk away or there's something else. And then you get a whisper. Why don't you go and build a relationship? And sometimes, folks, the truth is sometimes I just want to take a day off. I don't want to have to be kind and loving and generous and gracious and represent the king. Sometimes I don't want to do that. Last week, our girls had soccer uh, crazy is what I call it. We had six games in four days. That means some of them were playing twice a time. And, and in the midst of all this, I get this prompting after the t- teaching last week where we were talking about everyone, that how wide is your everyone? And I felt convicted. We have two new neighbors in our neighborhood that I've waved at, but I haven't really gone the next step and reached out to them. So I felt this prompting to get a Greek's pizzeria card. Because if they like pizza, they'll like Greek. So I went and got these cards. Well, the problem was every single night, we didn't get home until 7.30 at night. And I was like, I'm tired. God, I'm a pastor. I've done your work already. Like, what else do I have to do? I want to take a break off. I just don't want to do this. And I kind of had this hard-hearted attitude. And then all of a sudden, this question came to my mind. What kind of ambassador are you going to be, Chris? Are you going to be a good one? Or are you going to be... A bad one. What kind will you be? A good ambassador is loyal to their king. They're humble. They're passionate. They're wise. A good ambassador is one who takes a Greek's gift card to their neighbors. And so I sent my two girls to do that. (laughs) Not really, okay? I went and I did it. And all of a sudden I got to know my neighbors. And folks... There are so many moments in my life, though, I'm not a good ambassador. I'm a bad one. I'm pretentious. I'm superior. I don't want to talk to other people. Sometimes I'll walk into a room and I can be hypocritical and not represent the king very well at all. But I want to be a good ambassador for Christ all the time. And leading up to the Hot Mess series, I want to represent him so well that people are attracted to him because I'm simply guiding them to him. And every week after that, 
You see, folks, this is what I realized. Whether I like it or not, when I chose to choose him as the Lord of my life, he chose me to be his ambassador in Muncie and Delaware County and all of East Central Indiana. And this is what's true about every single one of you, every single person in the balcony, everyone on the stream. If you've chosen Christ, he's chosen you to be his ambassador. And you are responsible, and he is counting on you to reach out. And this is what Paul, I think, would say. He would say, if he were standing on this stage, you're an ambassador for Christ, what are you doing? And later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says this, as God's co-workers, that's who you are. You are God's co-worker. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. He says, don't receive it in vain. As God's co-worker, as his ambassador, as a person of reconciliation, don't hold his message of grace and love to yourself. But he says, give that message away to anyone and everyone that you come into contact with. But this is what you need to know. This did not originate with Paul. There was a guy before Paul that actually originated this whole idea And his name is Jesus. And one day, Jesus takes his disciples on a walk, and they're walking together. And they're walking and walking, and eventually it comes miles at a hand. And they ask him, they're like, Jesus, where are we going? Where are we going? And Jesus always had a way of doing this. Well, just come follow me. Just come follow me. And they keep walking for 24 miles until they finally get to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And when they get to this place, this city is bizarre. It was built on this massive rock, and water would flow underneath the rock. They actually believed that underneath the city was the underworld. Now, before Jesus, during the days of Alexander the Great, Alexander's soldiers decided to create a religion that was all centered around this one Greek god that they made up called Pan. He was actually half goat and half man. He's a real sexy kind of individual for people to worship. And 250,000 people every single year would come to Caesarea Philippi to the bottom of the rock of this temple... And they would try to arouse this God called Pan. And they would do all these perverse things. And there was brokenness and fracturedness and just nasty stuff that they would do. And they would believe that they could bring him there. And as Jesus walks with the disciples to the cliff of this temple, to this city, and they see it, he looks to Peter, and this is what he says to Peter. He says, I will build my church on this rock and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter, I'm going to send you into this rock, into this brokenness, into this pain, into this uh, perversion, into all of this nasty stuff. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell them about my love. I want you to tell them about my grace. I want you to tell them about me. I am going to build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not be able to stop you. Folks, nothing in this world 
And nothing outside this world can overcome Jesus from building his church. And today, he's wanting to tell you, if you're a follower of Christ, you represent him. You represent Christ. And as you represent him, he wants you to represent him well. And here's my question for you this morning. How well are you representing Christ today? How well, right now, in your life, are you representing Christ today? So, as an ambassador, as Christ ambassadors, how are you representing him? And so today, we want to send you out with power as you go into this world as Christ ambassadors to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, and to simply invite them to come and see, to come and see, to come and see. And this week, I want to challenge you that as you go through your day, that you would be reminded that You walk through your day, not as a factory worker, not as a farmer, not as a nurse. You don't walk through your day as a plumber or a banker. You don't walk through your day working at Walmart or a servant at a a restaurant. You walk through your day, not as a student of this school or of this college, but you walk through your day as Christ's ambassador. And as you do this, you represent him well. And we believe that as you come with this power, that your life will be changed. And you can speak Jesus wherever you go. And the power of his love and grace will flow through you, his ambassador, to touch other people's lives. So I invite you right now to stand and sing as uh, we join together in uh, celebrating the fact that Christ has chosen us.
Thank you so much that he chose us not to simply sit on the sidelines, but to actually be in the game and to be your ambassador to the people around us. Every friend, every family, every coworker, every neighbor, that we would represent Christ with his light and that their strongholds would be broken that families would be put back together, that lives would be changed for eternity because you chose us not to just sit there, not to just go through the motions of doing church and reading my Bible and praying, but reaching out to people who are hurting and looking for a God who loves to give hope to the hopeless who loves to give love to those who feel loveless, to those who have no sense that they're ever invited to anything, that you are invited to the kingdom of God. And you are loved and you are cared for and we recognize you. God, would you, in this next fall season, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, draw hundreds and hundreds of people to a place called the Jar? Not so that our name is made great, but because your name would be made great. That you would be lifted up higher than any other name. And God, we would see people like the Jareds and the Paytons of our world, that they would come and they would recognize you and they would receive you and their eternity would be changed. Because we are praying, God, and we are desiring for you to reign. We want to be your ambassadors. We want to represent you well. We want to be able to see you move. God, help us to build in people's lives and see the power of your reconciliation. Right now, maybe there's some of you right now that you're like, I've never spoken the name of Jesus into my life. But today's the day. Now's the hour. And you say, I want Jesus to be the head of my home, the head of my life, the head of my family, the head of everything. And if today's your day where you're like, I want to represent him, I want him to be the king of my life, to see his power move, then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that you pray together. You see, this is how much Jesus loved you. That one day he went to a cross and he died upon it so all of your sins would be forgiven. Everything from the past, present, and future. And three days later, he rose again so that you could have eternity with him. And he said, I did that because of my great love for you. And 
He gives that to you today. And you can receive that. You can accept that through a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to just join me in this prayer right now. Simply repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.